Well, we're continuing our series this week on being led by the Spirit of God, and uh, I'm really enjoying this series. I love studying being led by the Spirit because it feels like you, no matter how much you have developed in being led by the Spirit, uh, you can always develop more, (laughs) and uh, it's real easy to get, um, you know, over on the fleshly side of things and um, miss the uh, leading of the Spirit or... uh, you know, not be as in tune as what you really want to be or as what you could be. So it's, in, it's important for us to keep before us uh, the things of the Holy Spirit. And really, if you don't, if you aren't aware of what capabilities that you have or what abilities that you have, you really won't use them. And, uh, you know, there's many stories that you'll hear of people that got such an amazing financial inheritance from their family. Uh, but they didn't really know about it. And so they live in poverty while they actually have all of these resources available to them. All they have to do is go and give their name and maybe go to the bank or go to the lawyer or to the probate court. And then they find out, you know what? Your parents left you $5 million. You know, and you're living on, say, 25000 a year or 30000 a year, 50000 a year. And... Uh, uh, when you find that out, I cannot tell you from personal experience. That has not happened to me. <laughs> but I can imagine if you found that out, uh, the second that you find that out, and depending on your personality, once it's verified, um, you will change the way that you think immediately. And you'll probably change the way that you act. And... Uh, you know, you may not, you know, some people like that. That's the problem when people, uh, most often when people win the lottery, the people that win the lottery and play the lottery so many times are not the most uh, responsible type of people. And so uh, they'll get like millions of dollars and within five years it's gone and they don't even know where it went. Like, I don't know what happened. Uh, but uh, if you're responsible and you have a financial inheritance, you're going to... Uh, probably not go out and blow it right away. You're going to invest it. You're going to maybe talk to an attorney and talk to investors and uh, figure out what you should do. Of course, you're going to um, tithe off of it and <laughs> take, care of, take care of all of that. And really, it's interesting. Um, one of the phrases that Dad Hagen said that has helped me more than uh, so many things I've heard from different people is that you locate people by what they say. And so... Uh, I've used that in ministry so many times. If you're ministering to someone, it's really good to let them talk and uh, so you can help figure out where they're at. But I use that on myself a lot. So I want to like, I love honesty and openness. So I don't want to like try to convince myself that I believe something that I really want to believe, but I actually don't believe. You know, it's like you, you get in a faith camp and sometimes like you have like the word police that don't let you say any words that are not what's considered faith words. <laughs> well, uh, that's actually good in, in one case, one instance. It's really good actually between a husband and wife or close relationships, maybe an accountability uh, friend or uh, somebody like that because you're going to speak words that are only in line with the word of God. But one bad side of that is some people get the impression that 
all you have to do is say the right things and everything will just be fine. So they say like, you know, maybe they just got a report that they got cancer and they will never say, I got a report that I got cancer. And, um, you know, it's actually a reality in your flesh if you get that with the report that the doctors look and they see cancer in your body. So I would say, well, the doctors see cancer in my body, but the power of God is greater and I know that what formed this natural body uh, has the power to destroy and to annihilate that cancer. So I'm not moved by that. What I'm moved by is what God said. And sometimes, though, we get, you can get, and I've been around people sometimes, and I, you know, I've had periods in my life when I was like it too, so that you're like, well, you can't, the way it happened for me is I just stopped saying anything. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know what to say, so I'm saying nothing. And uh, that can be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> many times because you'll get yourself stirred up on things that are, are negative and, and um, go down that road and that line. But the best is to speak the word of God. Um, but you locate yourself and other people even by what you say. So if you find out, you know what, what I'm thinking and what I'm saying a lot is after the natural mind or it's after the flesh. Uh, I think that's the greatest thing in the world if you hear that or I hear that. Not because you want to live that way, but because, um, you know, the first step to change is acknowledging that there is a problem. And uh, to just pass it over and say, like, I have the mind of Christ, and I never think bad thoughts, and I never do the wrong thing, and I 100% follow the Holy Spirit in every area of my life. Um, you're a little deceived. Because uh, unless you're Jesus, and I am here to declare to you that you are not. Um, uh, but to follow the Spirit of God, one of the, the greatest keys is to locate yourself and figure out where you're at with it. And um, how is my walk? What am I doing? Uh, am I growing in this? Because you should be able to see a path of growth and a pattern of growth in your own life if you're um, following the Lord. Because the Lord's not going to leave us um, the way he found us. He makes us a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything is new. And I, I preached several months ago about that uh, a little bit, like just behold. In other words, stop and look and let it sink in that everything is brand new about you from the inside out. And the way that you're changed is from the inside out, not from the outside in. And you can even look at it when you are exercising and strengthening, and if you want to like tone your body, you're really going to tone your muscles underneath first, your core muscles, and then the outside is going to start to tone. And I'm not an exercise expert, but um, uh, or a health expert, but you can see that what's on the inside actually affects the outside so much so that what you eat will affect your outward body. And um, I can say this that. Um, uh, I tend to not have much of a body scent. My wife tends to have more of a body scent. And um, it's been interesting in our marriage. So maybe we'll have a meal, and there's garlic with the meal. And I say, do you really want to be eating that garlic? <laughs> oh, I really like garlic. I know you do. <laughs> but you can eat garlic, and uh, particularly if you're going to exercise afterwards, it will come out through your sweat and through your pores. And so what's on the inside will actually affect the outside. Um, after it affects the inside. And, um, you know, 
the natural body is a great pattern for us to look at to see like our spiritual self. One of the things that I learned from Brother Hagin was, he said, I feed my body three hot meals a day. I wouldn't feed my spirit any less. So he actually has a devotional called Faith Food Devotional. And they have it, it's two forms. You can have one that's the whole year, and then they have four different, I think they still have it, broken up into four quarters. So you can actually have smaller, a smaller one, and um, they have it online now as well. And um, it's a great book. But he says, you know, he would say to his children when they would uh, read the Bible and pray together, we're going to feed our spirits now. And so um, if you feel like you have a weak spirit or you're not in tune with uh, the spirit that you are, feed it faith food, which is the word of God. And then you'll find that you start to rise up and get stronger and stronger. And it's uh, more distinct, the voice of your spirit, than the voice of um, your natural body. But it's much like physical exercise. Um, you don't develop overnight. And so that's why a lot of people started exercising in January, and they are done now. Because they didn't see instant results. And I like to run, or I don't know if you call it running, but jog. I like to jog. And um, when I have not been jogging for a period of time, it takes me, I don't know, around three weeks before my body gets back in the groove and I get those endorphins. But when I get those endorphins, I just don't want to stop. But it's that first three weeks that you're like trudging through and you're just exhausted afterwards and you're tired and you want to take a nap and uh, it's challenging. But as you keep at it, all of a sudden your muscles start to build up because what's happening is you're actually breaking down, breaking down, breaking down, and then you start to build up and build up and build up. And then as you're strengthening, it, it's like a breath of fresh air. Well, it's similar with the Word of God. When you get in the Word of God, you know, the Word of God is not only meant to make you shout, but uh, the Bible says that it actually is to admonish you. In other words, kind of like point you in the right direction and correct you. And, um, uh, you know, the correction at the moment, like it says, of a father doesn't seem pleasant, but it works like an, ex an exceeding weight of glory. And so when you're being corrected by the word, it's actually such a healthy, wonderful thing. And if you can view it that way, you will, uh, excuse me, look forward to the corrections of the Lord through the word of God so that you're like, this is good for me. I'm, I'm being changed. I'm being strengthened. So let's look at our, our key verses, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and verse 16, and then Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 16, And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. In Proverbs 20, 27, The Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, the first one we read, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So if you are a son of God or a daughter of God, you can expect and you should expect to be led by the Spirit of God. So what does that look like? Expecting to be led by the Spirit of God. I mean, I, I want to say I'm such a detailed person that I'll never, I, I'm very, there, there I went right there, I'll never say. I almost never say never or always. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll say it, and then I'll be like, no, let's see, that's probably not accurate. Like, never, that's a very strong statement to me. 
So I don't often say that, but it seems like every time I heard Dad Hagen get up to minister, and um, one, somewhere in his message, he's going to say, did you come expecting? Because if you came expecting, you will not be disappointed. And uh, that is such a faith statement, and there is so much truth to that. Because so many cases, especially with the things of God, is you get what you expect. And I remember one time I was talking to a gentleman, and uh, we were talking about healing. And uh, I came out of a denominational church, and they, weren't, uh, they were more of the mindset that, uh, you know, God can do anything, and, uh, which we're of that mindset, of course. <laughs> but you never know what he's really going to do. But of course, he's God, so he could do anything. And so when it came to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the gifts of the Spirit, um, you know, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, discerning of spirits, um, tongues, interpretation, uh, miracles, gifts of healings, those type of things, it was mostly the mindset those have passed away when the last apostle died. Those were necessary for the inception of the church, but after that, you know, they're no longer necessary. Of course, there's nothing like that in the Bible, but um, I think they're walking in the light that they have. So I would encounter more people that would uh, think that way, and you'd have more conversations along those lines. Well, one time I was talking with a gentleman, and he said, um, you know, well, if it has not passed away, like healing, if healing has not passed away, why don't I see it more often? And I said, well, um, does your church believe that healing is for today? Well, no. And I said, so do you think if they don't believe it, why would you see it? Because do they ever call for a healing line or anything? Well, no. I said, oh, well, that's a good point. I said, well, yeah. I said, I go to places where people believe in healing, and I see healings. And you go to places, uh, one particular place, his, his church, uh, where they don't believe that, and they don't see it. So it was actually very simple. But again, you know, I started out by saying you locate people by what they say. That was very helpful to him, and it was helpful to me. Because you start to say, okay, well, let's, let's think about what we're saying. And thinking is not evil. Thinking is actually good. Actually, the way that you get the Word of God rooted deep inside of you is through thinking. It's called meditation. And um, if you don't think you can meditate, most people know how to worry. And worry is negative meditation. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, uh, finances is a particular easy place to worry. And you're like, well, what are we going to do? Is this going to cost this? And, you know, we just found out this and we're looking for a house right now. And we went to a house. Uh, it's a nice house. And uh, Melody wasn't able to go that day to look at it. And I went and looked for a second time at this house. And I went back to the windowsill in the back of the house by the chimney and um, the realtor showed me, she's like, oh, look at this windowsill. And so I touched it, and my finger sunk into it. Like, it was that rotten. It was, like, squishy rotten. And, you know, it's just a windowsill, so it's probably no big deal unless it's got into the house. You know, it's a, it's a, it was built in, the 19, in 1900, actually, the year 1900. So it, it could be a big deal or it could not. But let me tell you, if you own that house, and you didn't know that, and you go do it, uh, worry would try to sit in real quick because if... Um, <laughs> if you've owned a house before, because we bought a foreclosure and we remodeled it. And um, 
We were very blessed in it, actually. But still, you can have the little thing on the surface that doesn't look too bad, or maybe it does, but you're thinking, oh, that's cool, that's just that. And then, uh, particularly in bathroom remodels. <laughs> and uh, then you're like, oh, my goodness. And there's a good friend of mine that um, he was uh, replacing the roof on his house. And uh, he thought, oh, I'll replace the, the roof. And it was leaking around the chimney and those type of things. And um, so we got to tear that off. And all of a sudden, you realize, like, the chimney is leaning out from the house. So the foundation of the chimney is bad. And then he called and talked to some experts, or so-called experts, whatever, anyhow. And uh, they're like, you know, you could, uh, what do you call that, jack it up or you know, put a pier in or something, and it may hold or it may not. Like, you might have the same problem. So he decided, well, let's just take out that chimney. And we had a lot of fun taking that chimney out. And uh, then, you know, he rearranged his room and stuff like that. But what was supposed to be a couple-week project turned into, how many months was it, Jeremy? <laughs> a month and a half. I think it was four months, though, before the roof was back on. And so... Uh, He's like, will you help me with my roof? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, it's going to be a couple weekends, right? You know, it was a, it was a long job. And it seems like we found other stuff and all of that too. But uh, that was Jeremy who's sitting right here in case you can't see him. Uh, but sometimes you get a surprise and you think, oh, it's just this, oh, it's just this little amount. And um, it's something much, much bigger. So um, expectation will make all the difference in the world. So if you're a child of God, you can expect and you should expect to be led by the Spirit of God. So what does that look like? That looks like um, that you're thinking differently and you're speaking differently. So and when you're looking um, in any area of your life that you're specifically wanting to hear from God and know from God, um, you know, with prayer or with hearing from God, you need to find scriptures that cover your case because scriptures actually are a light to your path. The word of God will light your path up. In other words, it'll put light so that you can see where to go and what to do and where not to go, what not to do. So if you're walking and um, something I've found out about living in Virginia is that at least where we live, there is so much red clay and when it rains, it's like really soggy and slippery and... Um, if you're not paying attention to where you're going, you're going to get really dirty and messy. And uh, you, might, you know, might be wearing good clothes or you might not be wearing good clothes, so you have to pay attention. Well, if you're like hiking or you're camping, we like to camp, and you don't have a light or a lantern and you're walking and it's just rained, you could really get in a muddy mess and a cold mess because you're camping and maybe you don't have everything you need and uh, you know, it's your last pair of socks and you got them soaking wet. So you take a light, and then it enables you to kind of see the pathway that you're to walk in so that you don't get off the path, so that you don't uh, make a mistake. And that's what the Word of God does for you and for me, is it actually lights our pathway. And so your head might not know what to do, and in many cases doesn't know what to do, or thinks it knows the best, but it doesn't always know the best. So we use the Word of God. And so we're expecting, we have these scriptures, and then we expect the Lord to lead us. So, and, um, you know, the Bible says that you are his sheep and you hear his voice and the voice of a stranger you don't follow. So you don't start out in the position of, man, I wish I could hear from God. I never hear from God. 
Um, he doesn't really speak to me. He speaks to other people, but he doesn't speak to me. Uh, that is doubt. That's not faith. So what you need to do is find scriptures that teach you that God is speaking to you and that God will lead you. So we've given you a couple scriptures right here, uh, Romans chapter 8, 14 and, and, uh, six, 8, verse 14 and verse 16, and then Proverbs 20, 27. And then, you know, I just said you're, you're his sheep and you hear his voice. And I could go on and give you uh, many other scriptures. But what you do is you actually find scriptures that speak something to you. So uh, they don't have to be scriptures that, and it shouldn't be scriptures that speak something to me, but they should be scriptures that speak something to you, that have life in them from you. So what does that mean? Well, you may read scriptures, and you have Google. We have Google. We didn't have this when I started in ministry training. You did not have Google. And so you can actually do, like, you can Google um, led by the Spirit of God, or the Spirit said, or all this type of stuff, and you can find scriptures and so much material. So you find a scripture that, that kind of the lights go on for you, or it means something to you, or just like you may be reading over a passage, and this one particular one has more significance than the rest around it. So you start to meditate on that scripture and look to that scripture, and then you basically meditate on it until you get thrilled with it. So that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you're a son of God. A son of God is led by the Spirit of God. It doesn't matter how many, because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. They're God's sons, and God's sons are led by His Spirit. So His Spirit will actually lead His sons, and I'm one of His sons, so He's leading me. He's showing me. In fact, right now, I can see something I didn't see before because He's leading me, and He's showing me, and He's revealing to me. So God is the one that's showing me. The creator of the universe is the one that's leading me and guiding me because I'm his son. Because I'm his son, I'm actually part of his family. Because I'm part of his family, the blessings that he has are the blessings that I have. So you can see like as you start to meditate on this, you can go and go and go. And you go places that you didn't even intend to go. So that all of a sudden, now you're in what I call faith. That means, whoa, my spirit's starting to, like, Brother Hagin would say, like, turn flips on the inside. It's kind of something, something's happening on the inside of me. So that now I'm kind of like, whoa, I want to do that some more. Uh, because I don't understand it with my head and, or my body. But something good is happening on the inside of me right now while I'm doing this. And so you're doing that. You actually become in tune with your spirit man. And your spirit man is, um, you know, the, the, the um, well, actually... The next verse right there, 16, or skip a verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Holy Spirit's bearing witness when I'm speaking that. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. And um, so that's what you have on the inside where you're kind of like, oh, something's stirring on the inside. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit in communion with your spirit saying, go, go, go. That's the way to go. And so you may feel dead and dry. And if you, if you live based on your feelings. In other words, you wake up and you say, good Lord, it's morning. Instead of good morning, Lord, you say, good Lord, it's morning. And oh, thank you for today. And I just pray you help me through my day because I just feel blah today. Even though you inquired of the Lord, you asked of the Lord, um, the Bible says, let him ask in faith. 
nothing wavering or doubting. For he that wavers or doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed. So if you come uh, with that type of prayer, you're going to be driven and tossed by the circumstances that are around you, by what other people say, by what the devil would try to bring, and even by um, sins of your past. So you actually set your sail or you set the course of your day with the words of your mouth based on your belief in the word of God. Like this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Or like David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He's commanding himself. I'm going to bless the Lord. And so... uh, The things of God do not fall on you like ripe cherries off of a tree. You have to grab hold of. You have to have uh, what the Bible calls a spirit of faith. And, um, you know, Pastor Mark likes to say the spirit of faith is caught, but the principles of faith are taught, which is true. Uh, Another way I like to look at it is when you're born again, you actually have the spirit of faith. And you're given the measure of faith. Actually, given the measure of faith before, so all men, so you even can be born again. But anyhow, another story. Um, but you have the spirit of faith. But like uh, Romans ten seventeen says, faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. When you start to study about the spirit of faith, you can realize I have that same spirit that of faith that David had, where he killed a bear, he killed a lion, and he killed a philistine. That same spirit of faith dwells in me because the word of God says that. And as you start to do what I just said, where you meditate on that, you let it sink in and you believe and you talk like that, you'll notice you have a spirit of faith and you begin to act that way. And, you know, um, Pastor Mark uh, ministered uh, down south and there was this guy that heard him preaching on a spirit of faith. And uh, he was just a big old farmer, I think he was. And the guy said, man, just hearing you preach like that, Makes me feel like I could grab a corn stalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. Uh, He said, like, the spirit of faith will make a tadpole slap a whale. So what we're saying is you so believe God that it doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. It doesn't matter how bad or dire the situation looks or how impossible it looks. You believe God, and God can do anything. And uh, Smith Wigglesworth said, it seems like God will pass over a thousand people just to get to one person that's acting in faith. Because faith gives God access in your life. And God loves us so much. He's actually, I think of like the Holy Spirit when he was hovering over the face of the waters. He's hovering. Uh, The Lord is looking at you. He's looking at your life. And he is waiting. And he's expecting you to speak a word of faith so he can show up in all of his power and all of his glory and change your situation. Because God wants, the Bible says he desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But he has a big, big problem. Is that flesh is how he reaches flesh. The Bible actually says that angels were not, it was not ordained that they should preach the gospel. The angels are not allowed to preach the gospel. It was ordained that man should preach the gospel. So God has irrevocably tied himself to us for the preaching of the gospel and for the gospel message to get out. And we are the body of Christ. So if somebody is going to be touched by Jesus Christ, if a hand's going to be laid on them, it's going to be 
in the name of Jesus, it's going to be by the flesh of a believer in Christ. It's not like Jesus Christ is going to appear and all of a sudden lay his hand on them. Now, Jesus Christ, um, that's called a discerning of spirits. If you see a vision of Jesus Christ, and that does happen, but that's not Christ in the flesh. He's seated at the right hand of God. That's a vision of Jesus. If you are going to be touched by Jesus Christ physically, you're going to be touched by a member of the body of Christ. Because as a member of the body of Christ, you carry the spirit of God. And the same spirit that Jesus had in him and the same spirit that Jesus had on him is the same spirit that we as believers have in us and upon us if we're filled with the Holy Ghost upon us in you when you're born again. So um, we have the same spirit of faith. And when we believe it and act on it, it shows up. It's, uh, it's in usable form. It's something that we can... Um, uh, you could say is tangible. It's uh, capable of being touched, capable of being seen. There's something different about it. And uh, it takes us beyond our natural, our natural world. All right, I want to read a few scriptures real quick. Uh, just as a reminder, for me, these are, uh, they do something in my spirit when I read them. And I've read some of the uh, ones from Acts and the epistles, and I'm going to read those again. But first, I'm going to read a couple statements that Jesus made. Mark chapter 2, verse 8. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about the things in your hearts? So what I want you to listen for is perceived in the spirit, felt led of the spirit, seemed good to me in the Holy Ghost. These type of statements to help um, uh, isolate uh, the voice of your spirit. So Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned. Then Mark 8, 12, but he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. So it says he, he sighed deeply in his spirit. And then Mary said in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 and 47, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in my Savior. That's kind of what I was talking about when we're, when we're meditating, like your spirit rejoices. And you ever feel like, I sometimes feel like I'm going like to come out of my body, if that makes any sense. You're like, ha, ah! you know, and you get so thrilled with the word of God and the voice of the spirit that, you know, you just don't even know what to do. I'm so thankful that you can like pray in tongues and that there's a dance in the spirit and a run in the spirit because you just like, it's beyond your natural being. It's beyond what you naturally are. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted of the day, uh, 40 days of the devil. It's not like a favorite scripture, but that is a true scripture. Because sometimes uh, you feel like, uh, Lord, you led me by your Spirit into the wilderness. What was the purpose of that? <laughs> But it's to be tested and to be tried. And so sometimes, a uh, little side note, you find yourself in the desert and you think, what did I do to miss God? Well, maybe Jesus felt like that. Like, I'm out here, I'm hungry, I have not eaten for 40 days. And now that I have not eaten for 40 days, the blessing is that the devil comes. When I'm weak, uh, it's difficult to yield to spiritual things when your body is exhausted. Uh, you'll find that to be the case. If you're really tired, man, it's hard to pray in tongues. It's hard to connect with God. It's hard to read the word. And so uh, you need to keep yourself rested. And um, it's much easier to yield to spiritual things uh, when your body is rested. So like I said, uh, you know, kind of at the beginning, we are a three-part being. We separate the parts of our being in order to study. But uh, as long as you're here on the earth, uh, 
uh, you know, and Jesus hasn't returned, you're in the flesh, and you have the flesh to contend with and the flesh to deal with, so you have to take care of the flesh. And uh, Brother Hagin, as much as I respect him, he made some mistakes in his life. And one of the mistakes that he made was he so wanted to touch people um, uh, and, and change them with the Word of God and the anointing of his Spirit that uh, he actually got corrected by the Lord because he would just preach and preach and then he would do healing lines and he wore himself out. And the Lord told him, you pushed your body too far. Never do that again. So you'd watch him and I watched him and we were with him when he was in his uh, mid-80s and uh, he, was, he would still run circles around us. So don't think like he was like some weakling and tired. I mean, he's like, let's go, let's go. And we're all like, we need to sleep, you know. But um, I would watch him. He'd be in, a, in the middle of a healing line and he would stop and say, okay, I can't minister anymore. I promised the Lord that I'd never take my body that far again because your body is still mortal. My body is still mortal. And um, uh, there have been ministers that uh, have wore their bodies out and they died too young. And it wasn't the will of God, but uh, Brother Hagin is not Jesus and was not Jesus. I mean, he was Christ in the flesh, just like we're Christ in the flesh, part of the body of Christ. I'm not saying uh, he wasn't like we are, part of the body of Christ, but... Um, you're not going to save people. You're not going to heal anybody. It's not you. It's the Lord. But we have to make ourselves available because if we don't preach the gospel, if we don't witness to people, if we don't minister, uh, it won't get done. Uh, religion will tell you somebody else will do it. Uh, I'm here to tell you that the people that you have influence over, the Lord is calling you to um, minister to them. It doesn't mean like they have to accept what you say, and it doesn't, certainly doesn't mean that you have to like do it out of love. You're very loving to people, and you, you connect with them in ways that they can receive, and you speak the truth to them. But um, the Lord has you in a relationship with the people that you're in relationship with, and me in the relationship with the people I'm in relationship with for a reason. Uh, we're not just here living for ourselves. We're actually here to live for Jesus. And uh, we're not to live for ourselves anymore. We're to live for him who died for us and rose again. So then the scriptures that are in um, the epistles uh, are really starting in Acts. Acts chapter 11, verse 12. Um, and the Spirit bade me go with them. Acts chapter 16, verse 7. The Spirit suffered them not. I'm just reading the, the emphasized part. Acts chapter 17, verse 16. His Spirit was stirred in him. Acts chapter 18, verse 5. Paul was pressed in the Spirit. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians 2.13, I have no rest in my spirit. Uh, 1 John 5.6, the spirit that bears witness because the spirit is truth. So you find that there's actually quite a few statements, and there's more than that, in the Bible talking about the spirit man uh, that you have on the inside, the real you. And, um, you know, we talked last week that... Um, uh, what is it, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, where he talks about, you know, you are only ready for milk, but I want to feed you meat, and, um, but you can't bear it because, he says, you walk as mere men, one translation says. I love that translation. Or the, another translation says, because you're body ruled. So when we're body ruled, we're not walking the way God created us to walk. Walking doesn't mean like just physically walking, but living our life. And... Um, we are walking after our flesh instead of after um, our spirit man. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, I like the NIV translation better of that, actually. It says, this is, which is your spiritual act of worship. And then verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So many situations we're talking about, Lord, what's your will? Like we're looking for a house. Is it your, your will for us to buy this house or this house? You know, and if you're um, in a dating relationship, is it, you know, what's your will? Who's your best? Where should I be in job situations? In um, even in dealing with relationships, you want to know the will of God. Well, uh, we're to offer our bodies a living sacrifice. So that doesn't mean like we lay down. And we don't use our bodies. Our bodies are a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, it's a living sacrifice. The Bible says that we crucify the flesh with its passions or lusts and desires, and then we live the new life in Christ. So we're to use our body um, to worship God in everything that we do. So you crucify the flesh, you count yourself as dead, and then you live your new life in Christ. But your new life in Christ also includes your body because you're not going to say anything without your body to somebody. You're not going to lay hands on somebody without your body. You're not going to go somewhere without your body, right? If you could, I would like you to get up right now and leave your body here and go out. And um, uh, to be absent from the body, the Bible says, is to be present with the Lord. So um, I think you're all in your body right now. Um, but, you know, we're three parts, a spirit, a soul, and a body, and we are to renew our mind, which means to make new. So it actually means uh, to transform you, and um, a good way to think of it is uh, what's going to happen to somebody? Picture with me somebody that is body-ruled, like how would they act and what would they do, Right? Um, you could probably go to any local college and see some people that are body ruled <laughs> uh, pretty easily. And um, uh, I love college students. So if you're a college student, you're listening to this, we just want to see you here. <laughs> Actually, the Word of God will teach you how to live the most fulfilling life. Uh, but um, you can see people that are body ruled. So without the renewing of your mind, if your mind is not renewed, I have a newsflash, you're going to be body ruled or you're going to be natural mind ruled. And the key is to renew your mind because your mind controls your body, okay? And, um, you know, sometimes you have difficulty because you're like, well, but my mind thinks this or that or whatever. Uh, James tells us, actually, the whole course of your life, not just your body, is directed by your tongue. So if you can get your tongue connected with the right things, just like a, you put a bit in a horse's mouth that controls the horse, your tongue will actually control the whole course of your life. And uh, we learn that life and death are in the power of your tongue. And so um, you can change the course of your life by your tongue. But if your body ruled, uh, your tongue is going to be speaking things that are contrary to the word of God. And it gets you in all kind of really bad situations that you don't want to be in. So as we renew our mind... A renewed mind still controls the body. An unrenewed mind controls the body. So why do we need to renew the mind? Because we've got to control our body. 
So without your mind renewed and trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and isolate your spirit, you'll fail. And you'll say, why am I failing? What's going on? Well, it's because your mind is not renewed, and therefore your mind is going to side in with your body instead of siding in with your spirit. And so your mind's going to say like, you know, well, you want that. You should have that. You deserve that. And um, uh, just like the devil said in the Garden of Eden, Isn't that, doesn't that look beautiful? And wouldn't that taste great? And wouldn't that be so wonderful? And, um, you know, it's funny. I used to work in a supermarket, and uh, we had security people. And they had, like, the, you know, along the sides. I'll tell you everybody's secrets. But they had, like, these air vents on the side that they put in place. Well, they really were not air vents. They were, like, uh, plexiglass behind them. And you'd go up there, and you'd watch for shoplifters. And you could find shoplifters. And, of course, they have cameras and stuff like that. But that was not, you didn't know that that was there. And so you'd go and watch. Well, some people, you would have some people come in, and they would shoplift, and they would, you know, it was actually very sad. They would buy, I'd buy, they would shoplift just a little bit of meat to feed their family. And um, so then actually at the store, we'd try to help them out. You know, we'd say, please don't do that. If you're really that desperate, come and talk to us. Um, but the point I want to make is, you would see people come in and buy $400 worth of groceries, and they would steal a $7 item. Because they're so flesh-ruled. There was just this thing in them that they just, I don't know if it gave them a thrill or what it was, but they were so dominated by the flesh that they obviously had the money to buy it. It was just uh, something that they maybe weren't Christian or they were Christian and they didn't renew their mind um, to the power of God and what they, what they could have or what they could do. So it's so important that we renew our minds because that's the only way that we'll be changed. And that's the only way that we will be led by the Spirit of God and actually walk it out. Because there's, to all the things of God, there's a legal side and there's a vital side. And the legal side is the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And the vital side is you're actually experiencing that. And the way you actually experience it is um, you live out of the Word of God. Uh, Proverbs 4, 20 and 21 says, My son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. There are life to you and health to all of your flesh. And... Um, you know, Psalms chapter 1, he that uh, dwells, um, well, let me just read it real quick and we'll close with that. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, one of my, uh, they're all my favorite scriptures, I should just stop saying that. <laughs> Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So if you want to know how to prosper and how to have good success, you meditate in the word of God. And you're like a tree that's planted by rivers of water. You ever see a tree that's planted by rivers of water? It's like springing forth with green life no matter what's happening around it. And it's getting solid roots that go down and it's able to withstand no matter what happens. And so um, your delight is in the law of the Lord and in there you do meditate, you do think, you turn it over, you churn on it, you chew on it day and night. So everything that you're experiencing, you are uh, meditating on this. You can see the same thing in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein, for then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. And so as we meditate in the word of God, we are transformed like a caterpillar into a butterfly so that you're actually 
completely changed and you see this new life. Because when you're born again, you're already changed, new creature on the inside. But what has to happen for us to experience that life is our mind is renewed so that we're changed in our actions, so that we're changed in where we go and what we do and how we think. And um, that's where the great power um, of the Word of God really is because it changes what we experience and how we talk. Uh, Go ahead and stand with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, the ability of your word to burn out and to deliver us from all the power of the enemy. Thank you for the power of your word to change habits that we've had for years and years, Father. We thank you that you sent your word, that you healed us, that you delivered us, uh, that you gave us life, and that you gave us light. And I pray for each and every one of us, Father, that this week, that even today, that you'll um, remind us of scriptures that you want us to grow in, that you want us to be changed by, Father, that we can renew our mind and that we can experience more of you and more of your life and that we can bring more of you and more of your life in contact with those that we love and with those that we have challenge loving. Father, I thank you for your love that's poured out into our hearts. Thank you for your ability uh, to show your love and to be your love in the lives of um, those that we come in contact with. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.